welcome to episode 50 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm Willow. I, ju- I just want to say before we get into it that it's episode 50. It's which episode 50. It's cool. And it is cool. When it was episode 25, listen, I got really excited when it was episode uh-huh. 25 and you were really mean about it. I was really mean about it. And then the next week, I was like, wow, that was really wrong of me to not yeah. celebrate with you. And now it's episode 50 and I came in with real low energy because I was like, I don't want to get yelled at by Robin again. No, I've, cor- I've, I've, I've listened and learned and I've corrected my harmful behavior against celebrating round numbers. I'm also, although I will say it at this point, though, I am like holding on to the majority of my excitement, though, because we are so close to like one year. So I'm more yes. like, OK, that's going to be the big thing. But I just wanted to recognize the yeah. big five zero. The big five zero. It is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. That's wild. We're still going. It is. We are. It's It's just weird to think that there are now like in excess of 50 hours of us talking to each other recorded. Yeah. Like, I know we do that basically in a week normally, <laughs> but like on on tape, that's a lot. That's there's, a lot. There's one episode per average uh, listener per week. Yes. Yes, it's true. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's wild. You could probably like use it to make some kind of nefarious AI of us at this point. You know if what? you wanted to like get us canceled. You know what? Go for it. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Um, but until that happens, until the robots take over, uh, we have been spending the week playing a little bit of a lot of games. Uh, so this week, uh, it'll be over by the time this podcast goes out, but uh, this week was the Steam Next Fest, uh, an event that Steam does like twice a year, I think. I don't know if that's a strict schedule, but it seems to come twice a year, where... Just an absurd amount of game demos get put up for the week and you can play them and we do. And there's uh, just like just so, so, so much to play, which is a little little tasting menu of a little tasting menu, a little smorgasbord of uh, (laughs) upcoming games, which is an exciting. I think we talked about it more like just talking to each other, despite how excited a lot of people are about the releases this year. For both of us, it has felt a little dry this year until I will say until about the last month or so. I think we both mm-hmm. have found some things we've really enjoyed more recently. But the first part of the year, yeah, we 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 did talk a lot about how kind of unexciting the, the field was. And then I think we both played a lot of these demos and went, never mind, things there's some good stuff coming up. So, yeah, we just want to take some time to talk about those games, even though a lot of the demos will be gone by the time you hear this. Some developers do leave them up, so you might still be able to find some, and they're still worth having on your radar, even if you don't get to play the demos this time around. So, do you want to start? Do I want to start? Yeah, just pick a demo off this list and we can start talking about it. One of the demos that I played was Mosalina, Mm -hmm. which I don't know, did you play this one? I did. Okay, so Mosalina is... Don't know how to quite describe it. It's it's a weird almost like game about just like small little challenge levels. And it's the way that it says it in the game is it's like it's not an immersive sim, but it's kind of like a. The, the description on Steam calls it a hostile immersive sim. Yes, that's what it is. And the way it goes is it's like 
you're in this one, you're in a level that's one screen typically, and there are like berries around the screen that are your objectives that you have to collect, and then you have to get back to a portal. And the way you do that is you have a you have a gun and you have three different types of bullets at any given time. They're like more than three bullet types in the game, but you only have three at a time and it's like random and you have to just figure out how to get through it. And there's a lot of weird physics. Uh, I loved this game. <laughs> this was the only demo. And there, I mean, it's due to the nature of it also you can play it over and over again a lot but this is the only mm -hmm. demo that i didn't like uninstall after i beat it because i was like this is a fucking so fun yeah i didn't play this so i wrote a little roundup of like the you know my favorite demos for inverse but i i hadn't played this at the time that i wrote that thing if i had this absolutely would have been on it like it's it's so much fun I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of uh, I, I don't play a lot of games like this that are like kind of like chaotic and just like, you know, these weird, silly little like challenge games. But mm -hmm. this one is like legitimately really well made and really clever. And there's something extremely funny about whenever you like, you know, get knocked off the map by one of your creations or something. I can very much see this being a great like so last week when we talked about multiplayer games, one of the categories you kind of put things in was games that are not single player games that are fun to play with people watching you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this would be a great example of that. Like yeah. every time you die past the controller and it's just that same kind of thing as the same joy of watching someone like play dark souls in a way where it's like mm -hmm. very funny when they lose and you can like all celebrate together when you win. One of the things I really liked about it also is that sense of like uh, experimentation because the game tells you the basic controls but it doesn't tell you what like everything does so you just mm -hmm. have to figure it out there is still one like bullet type that i don't know what it does but like you would go through the game and it'd be like okay what does this purple circle do i need to figure it out oh it like reverses gravity on items so they just start flying up but if you do that, it it can include floor tiles. So then just <laughs> an entire pathway disappears and you can't progress. Um, or the like mushroom blocks that you that are just trampolines, which in the first level, <laughs> I shot out like both mushroom like blocks that were bouncy and then just a bunch of regular blocks. And then just everything started bouncing off each other. And like <laughs> it was insane. Uh this is very fun. I, I still don't know for the life of me what the green block does where you like take a picture of a square almost. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, so I didn't I didn't like finish the demo. So I don't think mm -hmm. I ever saw that one when I was playing. I have. It, you'll if you keep playing it, you'll. you'll I, yeah, I will definitely. Go back I cannot and play more. figure out what the fuck it does for the life of me. Well, that's fun. I mean, I think that's a good thing. Like, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to the the weird experimentation that this game is asking you to do. It reminds me in a way of Baba is You. Yeah, I I, I had that feeling, too, but I, I couldn't quite mm. articulate exactly why. I think for me, it's the idea of kind of small little black box levels that are all about just taking a singular mechanic kind of to an absurd extreme mm -hmm. where it's like, in the way that this game calls itself hostile to the player, as in you can just fuck yourself over by just playing the game because things do things. And if you, you know, accidentally like shoot a platform off of the map and then you just can't move, you have to restart. 
same with Baba as you, where it's like, well, if you accidentally move a block that is like blank is you, suddenly there is no is you and then you just can't move and the game is done. (laughs) It's that kind of like absurd if this then that kind of situation. Yeah, totally. And it's also like so small and short that it just feels very satisfying to keep playing on loop. Yeah, just a very funny mess around game. Mm -hmm. What about you? You pick one next. That actually kind of makes me think of uh, this game Cataclysmo that is that I really enjoyed playing just in the aspect of like having a lot of stuff to uh, having a building aspect of it and a lot of kind of like free form uh, ways to to deal with that. So Cataclysmo is uh, it's a game that's had a demo like out before like this wasn't the the first time I had the demos available, but it is a, like there is one up right now and it is like a combination real-time strategy and tower defense is kind of f- f- kind of the way that it feels. Uh, it's it's the best way to describe it, I think, anyway. The demo starts with you just have one unit and you control it like you would, you know, the, the units in an RTS where you just click on it and then you click on the terrain and it moves. And there are... The story of this game is there's been this sort of like cataclysm and there are these creatures that come out at night and like attack people. And the world is also covered in this sort of poisonous mist that's dangerous to shrivers in. And so as you move this character around, if they get into range of one of these enemies, they start attacking automatically. You start with like a bowman and then you later meet someone else who joins that. And it's like it retains that kind of RTS style movement where you can like just drag a square around them and move them as as a group. But the the interesting thing about it is that you also have the ability to build things at any time. So you can, you have like a set of blocks and also like pre-made structures like stairs and things. So as you're traversing the world, you can set up these structures to like give yourself cover from these enemies and kind of like funnel them through different places. And then a, a short way into the demo, you come into an area where there are like these crumbling walls and there's like a like a town center in the middle of it and then your job becomes to defend this building so you can use all that building stuff to literally like build walls around around that castle and then recruit units who you can kind of position wherever you want along the walls to to you know fight these enemies i don't know it's very interesting to me because like tower defense or real time strategy are not necessarily genres i like that much or like really play that much but this this interesting this combination to me is so interesting that like the thing that really sells me on it is the kind of freeform way that you can build despite having a very limited toolkit it feels like you have a lot of rain to build things how you want like for instance there's one type of unit that gets a bonus if they are not too much higher than their enemies so you have archers who benefit from being on high ground these ones benefit from being closer in elevation so finding that i could like basically put a hole in the my defensive walls to give them a place to sort of like stand and shoot through. Uh, And then like building like little scaffolds where they could move from like lower to higher, higher levels as I needed them to. Uh, It was very fun. Like there's something very interesting about building these sort of like highway systems behind your walls to make Mm -hmm. your units be able to move, move forward and backward. Um, it'll, I don't know, it just has an interesting vibe. It has a really cool art style. I think it stands out to me because it is one of the more, in some ways, it feels the most straightforward to me, like in terms of mechanics, mm-hmm. like, the, like something like, like Mosolina, 
is doing something very new, like a thing that I really haven't seen before. This feels like I have kind of seen all these things before, but the way that they're arranged and the way they're executed feels very new. Like, uh, And I just find it interesting to see something that uses like mechanics I don't seek out and that are not my favorite things but there's some kind of alchemy when you put them together in this interesting way uh, that i really enjoyed i don't think you played this one at all no i didn't one that i played that i don't think you got to was sons of saturn yeah i i i like told you about this one and then never ended up playing it i tried it and i think it was one of those things where it's it's very kind of a straightforward just like narrative game where it reminded me a lot of like the disco elysium layout where like three fourths of the screen is kind of the thing that's going on. And then the last fourth is just like this, these blocks of text that are kind of like inner monologues and voices. And it's very esoteric. I was kind of bored with it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I think it was one of those things where um, I just never loved the writing. And this game is kind of like just all writing. It's mostly just a visual novel with that text going on. It wasn't anything special to me. I kind of got a little bored. <laughs> yeah. The thing that caught my eye about it was that the art is like, uh, they took like actual photographs of yeah. various abandoned places and kind of like stylized them for the art. And that's why it caught my eye initially. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. <laughs> cool. One of the games that I actually really, um, I liked it. I didn't put enough effort into it when I was playing it, but I could see how it could be really, really exciting. Because I thought it was a neat idea was um, Arcane Assembly. Yeah. This game seems really cool. So it's essentially it like a Metroidvania platformer where you're like a you're like a wizard or witch or whatever. But the whole mechanic of it is that all of your like spells, you create them in a spell book by doing like a programming language. Mm-hmm. Where you have to be like, oh, summon orb or whatever. And like orb gets thrown in direction of mouse. And like, what does the orb do? Orb damage, like whatever it is. But mm-hmm. it's like these set list of commands. And you could just, they give you all these different variables. And it's like, yeah, you can just make your spells. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Which like, I was not in the mental space to invest more time in to like have fun with. And I don't think I will be the person who like, gets the most out of this game but i think it's such a unique mechanic that i think is going to have so much potential for like i could see this game being insane and like really really fun yeah i added i included this in my roundup and i wrote something to the extent of like i don't really get it (laughs) like i i don't really understand this game but i think it's fascinating Mm -hmm. uh, which is how i really feel where like the roadblock for me was that it used like there's literally like a visual programming language that is in your spell book where you are dragging blocks that are like create variable orb, move orb in, you know, like you were saying. And I think just the way that the game presented those things was using the same language you would use if you were literally programming. And I kind of wanted it to interpret that a little bit more for me. So rather than like the instructions telling me create variable orb, like find a way to make that kind of make sense to people like me who can't program. I think I don't know if that's like something that's, you know, doable even. I think if it if it was a little more approachable, people like us would probably have more time to play with like more, you know, ability to play with it. But yeah, the little bit that I that I was able to kind of like wring out of the system there, even with my like non-existent knowledge of programming, did make me really excited to see like what kind of wild stuff would be possible for someone who like really gets what they're going for. 
And I think it's just a fascinating thing. Like it, it's a system, it's, I've kind of always wanted to see a system like this implemented of like giving you sort of components for your spells and letting you kind of customize that. And I think this is sort of a um, very cerebral approach to that, but I think it's interesting. The thing that I, it reminded me a lot was um, in a way it reminds me of the Gambit system from Final Fantasy twelve which Mm, yeah sure just to the extent of like it's loosely kind of an idea of you can program how in final fantasy 12 party members react to things so you can like customize how your party works it's the idea of like there's kind of more freedom to how you play through Mm -hmm. just like this system of commands and there is something neat about that yeah the original um now that you mentioned that the the original Dragon Age had a similar system for like controlling your party members by AI that I think was probably more detailed than Final Fantasy XII's, if I'm remembering right, where you really could set these conditions where it's like, if you're in range of this enemy and your health is this and you're targeting this, then use this spell. It gave you like lots of very detailed ways to play with that, that I think did the thing I'm saying where it was interpreted a little more for you, which made it more playable for me. But I do think that's in that, that idea of giving you building blocks that you can kind of do what you want with it is very interesting to me. I finally got around to playing Cobalt Core's demo because you mm-hmm. forced me to. Mm-hmm. And I know you're mad at me about it because I didn't really give it a fair shot. No, you didn't. You really were not <laughs> cooperating at all. You were uh, basically playing this game under duress. I and really let was. me know it. <laughs> You were like, you have to stream it to me. And I did. And then you were like, I see the life drain out of you as the cards appear. Yes. I'm not a card game person. I don't like them. I'm over deck games. Let's move on. You you just refuse (laughs) to play along. I think it's very funny to me that every time I'm like really banging the drum for a game constantly, you do not care about it at all or actively dislike it. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) It just... It's just so funny to me. Oh, that's all I have to say like, on Cobalt Core. Core rules. I talked about it like two weeks ago. Everything I said is correct. It's a great game. You should play it. You know, it's if, if that's your type of game, you'll like it. Yeah. The characters are cute. The characters are adorable. Look at that. I can be nice. Look at you. You're breaking new ground. Let's talk about a game um, that's actually good. <laughs> I hate you. We're over. We're not going to make it to 52. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's talk about Between Horizons. Yeah. This is like one of my two favorite demos that I played during this week. I love this. I was like, before I even got into the gameplay, I was like, stop. I'm sold. Take my money. This is just a premise that I really, really like in media, which is. The whole thing about Between Horizons is that you are on a generation ship, which is like a sci-fi concept of a giant spaceship that has left one planet, Earth, typically, and is going to another planet far away. And it's such a long journey that it's basically like multiple it will take multiple generations of people living on the ship to get to the destination and stories that use this usually take place in the middle generations because it's this interesting concept of these are people who never had a life on their home planet and they will never have a life on the planet they are going to they are just the middle generation whose only job is to exist and procreate for the next line to get to be able to get there 
And they have mm-hmm. like no real purpose. They weren't able to choose like to choose what they did and they won't be able to like make a future for themselves anywhere else. This is just their life. I love it. So already I was in. <laughs> and then uh, you start the game and you're like uh, you're you're like a, a cop on the ship, which not great. But <laughs> but then you uh, a crime happens where somebody like infiltrated the databases and like fucked with stuff and then it starts being like an investigation game and it's like okay you have to collect evidence and you have to bring up evidence to people to see if you can find new information and you have to like put in like pieces together something i liked about the initial puzzle is that it like asked the player to think a little bit Mm -hmm. which i'll compare it to another game actually uh in a little bit but i liked that it asked you to do a little bit of work and yeah. you like collect all these clues. Uh, it was a pretty short demo, but I was I was so in. I was like, oh, I can't wait to like just be solving crimes all over this yeah. generation ship and learning the story. It's it's neat. I'm in. The art is cool is cool too. Yes, the art's really good. I think it's a really great demo, both in that like the game seems really cool and it does a good job of showing you what this is going to be about. Like that first puzzle, like you said, like it's not that involved, but it kind of shows you like all of the elements that you're going to be able to use in kind of more um, complicated ways later in the game. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like I, my, my method for like choosing demos for these things is kind of just like mousing over everything in the list so I can kind of see the screenshot and the description and just anything that feels like this is something I haven't really seen yet. I'll do it, you know, so that I don't end up playing like a million Metroidvanias or whatever. And this was one that like, right off the bat sounded very interesting and then as soon as i started playing it i was like this is like basically guaranteed to be on my list because it was just like so such a clever idea and like that investigation mechanic mechanic seems like it'll come together in some really interesting ways um so yeah i I really love that one i was saying when i was playing this to you that it reminded me of a tv show that i really like which Mm -hmm. there was a mini series on the sci-fi channel called ascension I've never heard of this in my life. Okay, I'm going to tell you about this show. Okay, great. It's so good. I Educate love it. me. I, I must be the only fan of this show because I'm the only person. <laughs> I'm the only person that I know of who has ever heard of this show. It was a sci-fi channel show. It was like six episodes. And the whole premise is that it's taking place on a generation ship called the USS Ascension. There are going to be three generations on this ship. So there was the first generation that boarded it. There's the middle generation. And then there's going to be the last generation who will who will land in the new location. And it takes place in the middle generation where everybody who started this journey is already dead. This is the middle generation, which, as I said, great premise. And there's like. A couple, there's like a few hundred people on the ship. When they're getting ready to celebrate their like anniversary, they have like a big anniversary party, which like you kind of understand because they have a similar premise set up in Between Horizons where they're like, oh, we're Mm -hmm. having a celebration. They're going to have one in this show. And the night that that happens, there's a murder and they find like a gun and everybody's like, there should be no murder on this ship. There has never been a murder on this ship. And we, and weapons were banned from being on this vessel because it's so dangerous so yeah so like now the security captain has to like not only solve the crime but like 
figure out how you go about solving a murder because he's never had to deal with it and nobody on the ship has ever had to deal with it. Interesting. It's so good. That does sound good. You should so watch I have, it. I have good news for you. Okay. You are not the only fan of Ascension. There are two fics on Archive of Our Own based on Ascension. <laughs> um, I'm so I, sorry. I wrote both of them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I wouldn't be surprised. But Better Horizons investigation stuff reminded me of another demo that I played that I don't think you played, but you recommended to me, which I cannot for the life of me figure out what the name of this game is now because I deleted it after I played it and I can't find it. What was it? It was like Makaito's Three Cases or... Yeah, I still have that downloaded. I haven't played it yet. (laughs) Pull Um, up the name. Makoto Wakaito's Case Files Trilogy Deluxe. Yes. So I played this. I do not recommend. Damn. It's... It's slow, and while the story seems like it could be kind of interesting because it's like a it's like a pulpy you know detective story, it's really handholdy. Like there mm. is a mechanic of you collect clues and you talk to people and then you like deduce what's happening, but it's it's so straightforward. It's literally like you just can't miss this. It's essentially like you don't have freedom. You just check off everything and then you just move forward and then you do it again. Um, yeah, and I just kind of got. Bad tired of that but if you want something that has investigation try the between horizons demo yeah that's a bummer i feel like that's a hard thing to pull off in in games like a lot of them do go that route of just like making it a story about investigation because it's too hard to do otherwise like i mean there's obviously there's example like paradise killer and i was gonna say they can't they can't all be paradise killer they can't all be paradise killer (laughs) one of the best games yeah i think it's yeah it's very common to see i think that's what makes beyond horizon between horizons so exciting Mm -hmm. because it is they could have easily gone that sort of that route and it's it's interesting to see them building on that also i just want to say between horizons is such a good name for this it is the generation ship concept like you're literally you're between it's so good fantastic mind blown (laughs) yes uh, I want to bring up one that you, I'm pretty sure, haven't played. Uh, it's called Witch Hand. I did not. This is the one that I got, what, like, one of the ones that I got the most obsessed with while I was playing. If you've ever played Cultist Simulator, it's very similar in in style to that one. It's also a game that you play with cards, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, it feels more like a sort of automation game in the sense of, like, like Factorio or something like that than it does, like, a card game. Your cards are essentially just a way to represent things that exist in the world you start out as like you you have your you play as a witch and you have a little card that represents you as a witch and you are able to like with all these other cards you have uh laid out that represent like magical ingredients for your spells or locations you go to or like your familiars or things it's always the card games you can sell those to like pull up uh, another card that is called just like explore and if you place your witch's card on top of explore it'll like do a little a timer will count down and it will like as you do that other things will pop out of it whether it's like other ingredients sometimes it's enemies you have to fight sometimes it's new locations and it's just all about like managing the resources you have to be able to continue like building these different towns that you can that you lay out and then placing buildings that like automatically farm new resources for you in those towns and then using those to continue expanding so it's just a really like it has a really satisfying loop that you can really get stuck in of like 
there's always like a thing to do and to focus on and like more to really that is going on than you can really pay attention to at once. So it becomes this kind of like game of like managing your attention and like keeping track of what's going on. And I think what the card setup really does that's interesting is you have to fit all of these things into a physical like tabletop space. Mm -hmm. So literally just choosing where to put things like becomes a challenge on its own where it's like, okay, I'm going to have my towns all over here. And then the resources off to this side. Oh, but this town is producing this resource. So I should move this one to be over here. So they're all in the same. And it just becomes this cool, like organization game, which is not a thing. I think a lot of games mess with, if it sounds interesting to you, it's worth checking out. Yeah. I just, it was just an interesting concept that I really like for whatever reason, my brain just clicked into really hard this is just a random question i was just thinking Mm -hmm. about card games have you ever played the voice of cards games a little bit i wasn't too fond of them whatever i'm so sorry it's my man yoko taro though i know that's why (laughs) i played it i really wanted to like it um i just didn't find it that interesting well like the card battle thing like i think it's a it's a very it's it feels like a kind of generic version of like a card battler Mm -hmm. I think what cards often add like these to to games like this is like an an element of unpredictability and customization of what you're able to do. And voice of cards doesn't really have that. I like the kind of, you know, moving cards across the board to travel. That's really cool. I kind of like the how like weirdly flavorless the world like there's something kind of appealing to how generic it is. It's it kind of makes me think of like Dragon's Crown, where it's Mm -hmm. like. It's not doing anything innovative with this setting. Like, it's a very classical fantasy thing. But there's something kind of interesting about taking that that tone for the narrative, but having the gameplay be this really weird off-the-wall thing. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> another game that we played was uh, A Date with Death, which mm-hmm. is just kind of like a visual novel. Um, yeah. It's like a, it's, it's a dating game, it seems, but it's not like, you know there's it doesn't really seem like there are options it's just you're yes. it's a game about dating one person D- mm-hmm. death obviously and that person is death and that person is who's death. like a hot twink yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i when when i was playing this i made zoe play it because mm-hmm. like we discussed when you were playing it you were like this game is fine but death is a man so yes <laughs> and i was like zoe will play it she'll like it Big bonus, big uh, thumbs up for this game that it starts with a pick crew for your character and then a pick crew for making your own apartment. Yes, I love like I so I want I do actually want to talk because we I I was I'm pretty sure I was streaming to you when I was playing this one. No. And yeah, I think I was. No. Oh, we weren't streaming to you, but I was playing it and we were like talking. Okay, that's very different. Whatever. We were in a call. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and I was talking about like the the character creator and how cool it was. Like they're right because I sent you a picture of the default character. Basically, is just you. But there's yeah this cool little thing where you can kind of swap out your outfits and your hair color and all this stuff. And there's also um, something that I thought was really cool because this is a dating sim. Is it lets you pick? There's like three separate options there where you can choose your gender, and you can also choose the pronouns you go by, which is like you know fairly. Fairly standard at this point, but like good whenever people see it. But you can also add like custom pronouns, which is really great. And on top of that, there's a third option, which I don't think I've seen before and is really cool, which is how do you want to be referred to? Mm -hmm. So you can choose, would you rather be called like, I think it's like pretty or cute and beautiful or handsome. 
And you can also add custom options for those, which I think is such a, it's so thoughtful. It's, I think we talked about this um, at some point when we talked about, I was a teenage exocolonist where its idea of gender is clearly made by someone who has like thought this through and wanted to understand how to represent this in a, in a, in a good way. And it's obviously the same thing here where it's like someone actually putting in the work to do this. Well, it's just like, it's such a thoughtful thing to know that like, especially because you have these options for the custom pronouns and stuff, you're going to have trans character, trans players who are playing trans characters. And there's a lot of sort of complexity there to being like, I don't know. I remember when I first came out, like my, one of my friends was like, Oh, you look so pretty. And then was like, Oh wait, is that a, do you want that me to use that word for you? Like, does that work for you? And it's just like that amount of like care being put in. I just always, it's just always really nice to see. Yeah. But I, I mean, I liked this game though. It was, it was sweet. It was comfortable. Yeah. I like it. I like a game where you just chat and flirt with somebody. Zoe was like, when they're, when you get to the point in the demo where it like turns into a video call and you uh-huh. see death for the first time. Zoe was like, Oh boy. <laughs> Just hooting and hollering. Yeah. It was a fun little game. I liked it. Another one that I I think we both enjoyed, uh, even though it was a short demo, was Good Bones. Yeah. Yeah. Very short demo. This is one I've kind of heard mentioned a little bit before. I know the the developer has talked before about it being a game that is... Uh, addressing like domestic violence, which is not something that comes up explicitly in in the demo, but it it will be in the full game. Yeah, interesting game. You play as like a woman who has uh, her wife has recently died. And so you and your daughter are moving to this new house. And then once you get there, you find out that it is being haunted by the ghost of this young woman who doesn't like really remember much about her life. And it's like a point and click adventure where you kind of try to piece together her past and sort of help her move on yeah it's cool the writing is it's you know the ring's good it's got a really nice like lo-fi soundtrack to it yeah i don't know if you have what you're what you're feeling about it to add it was just it was just neat yeah yeah while we're in visual novel land good to touch on (laughs) there's a couple more that you played that i didn't that i think you should run through before we end with our favorite one yes um i'll i'll just touch on two others here most of the games that i found that i enjoyed and that i recommended were i don't know the type of games that we tend to talk about like narrative and queer and kind of weird and uh not very like actiony type games because that's the things we like if you are looking for like to play just like an action game fucking play go mecha ball this game is so much fun there's there is like nothing deep that i can say about it like i have nothing intelligent to say about this game it just feels so good to play you play as this little mech it's like a twin stick kind of shooter you know you can aim in any direction and shoot whatever it takes place in these arenas you play as this like cute little mech and you have the ability like with just like the push of one of the triggers you turn into a ball and you can like launch yourself at enemies to kind of like disrupt their attacks but the arenas you're playing in are also filled with all these like ramps and all these things that you can use to launch yourself as you're in ball form it's just so fun like it's there's that's all there is to it. Like it's fun. It looks great. It has, it's just like very along with which hand it's a game that I just found myself like playing compulsively after I finished it. It's just like one of the best feeling action games I think I've played in a long time. Uh, I've seen a lot of people like posting about this game, which is maybe just a function of who I'm following. I don't know, but I feel like it, it deserves to get a lot of attention because <laughs> it's, 
I don't know. It's it's really hard for a game like this to grab my attention. To you're be honest, the, you're sort of, in the Go Mecha Ball Echo Chamber. Exactly. I'm in the <laughs> Mecha Chamber. Yeah. So it's I don't know. It's it's good. Give it a shot. Uh, and the other one I, I want to shout out really quickly is called Sandwalkers. It kind of reminds me of things like Six Ages, which I've talked about on here before. Uh, there's elements of the sort of like trading sim type games where you go from place to place and try to like trade objects. There's also a, like an exploration on like a hex grid. And there's also like a turn-based battle component to it. And what I find really interesting about it is it's a game where you play as a caravan that is, it's in this ruined world that is explicitly has been ruined by a climate catastrophe that it has been caused by the people you're playing as, or like the, the culture at least that you're playing as. And your goal is to trek across this like very hostile wasteland wilderness that you're in to through some kind of mystical means like restore the connection to the land and like sort of help reverse the damage done by this climate apocalypse but the sort of more short-term goal is that you have like a tree that you can plant that will become a new city for your your this like nomadic group of people to travel to and the idea is that you are you play like when it starts you're like the 14th caravan or something like that and the idea is that like you will not succeed like you go on this journey knowing that you will not reach your goal just knowing that you have to keep trying to get there and when your caravan falls the things like the relationships you built with other cities and the kind of outpost you've built if you've been able to make any and the like the things you've been able to do to kind of rejuvenate the land in this very small area will carry over so your goal is not really to be like the person who does this amazing thing and saves the world. Your goal is to make the path easier for the next person who comes after you to do that thing. And I just think I really I really like the idea of seeing games that play with that idea where it's like you are not the hero here. You are not the person who's going to save the world. The best you can hope for is to do a do some kind of smaller works leave things in your wake that will make things better for the people who come after you uh, i just think that's a really fascinating narrative thing to play with when games so often focus on instead being making the savior of the universe yeah really interesting demo very lots of like strategy very it's very um just lots of tough decisions to make and like knowing like it feels hostile in that way and like knowing that you're not supposed to succeed i think is really just a fascinating thing for me um so highly recommend it so the last game on our list. Yeah. Unequivocally, both of our favorite demo from this this next fest. Absolutely. As soon as I started playing this game, I was like, first of all, this fucking rips. And secondly, Willa's going to lose her mind for it. <laughs> and you were right. And I was right, of course. So this is my work is not yet done, which I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I guess. I guess it describes itself as like a narrative adventure game, but it's so weird and so great. You start yes. and first off, it has this really cool art style, which is this yeah. like really it's it's like a black and white. It's like a grayscale pixelated art style. Super lo-fi, super crunchy. Yeah, it like looks like there's kind of like t television noise just on the whole screen mm -hmm. it really doesn't tell you much when you start uh nope. you are wandering around just kind of this like foresty area it starts you were like at the top of a mountain yeah and it's just like all right i guess we should probably go home mm -hmm. <laughs> you're just like all right mm -hmm. 
Let's do that. And then you can like interact with things. It's like, oh, pick up this ID that you dropped and you get a very nice big close up of this ID. Then you as you're walking down, one of the things it says is like, oh, we left a like a camera trap here. You need to collect your footage. So you have to go up to the tree. You have to find the trap first with your like signal detector thing, which, okay, first off, we got we got to talk about this. The sound effects in this game are so good. This didn't really occur to me until, so I played it and then a couple days later I watched you play it. Yeah. It didn't occur to me until I watched you play it, but the the juxtaposition of these really lo-fi graphics with like Mm -hmm. very crisp, clear sound, both in the sound effects and the music, there's something really disorienting and and weird about that that I really, I found really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you, you get to the camera trap and it's like, okay, you have to click the right buttons to like download the footage onto your like device. Then you just walk around and wander and eventually you find your like station, which is where you live, which I found very quick, but you said you like wandered for a while. So yeah, something that kind of comes up with that camera trap thing is like you pull it up and it's just an image of this weird device. And it's just, it doesn't tell you what to do. It's just like, you just need to kind of click around on different things until you can figure out like how to open this casing on it. There's just so much about this game that's just like it just presents you with the world and lets you figure things out for your own. And I think one way that that sort of presented itself for me is like I just went in the wrong direction. Like it doesn't tell you where to go, where your camp is. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to wander around. And I spent probably 15 minutes just like... (laughs) walking from screen to screen you just like very slowly your tiny little character Mm -hmm. across this like vast field just walking around trying to find anything before i got there and it's just like even as i was i was it just felt so i don't know so interesting to me that this game was just like yeah we're just gonna make this forest for you and you need to wander through it like the idea that you could just do all of that with no direction and just like spend as long as it takes you was really I just really love that. Watching those like weird pixelated trees sway with the like really realistic sound effects. So good. The vibes are immaculate. Yes. It made me feel like I kept expecting something to happen. Mm -hmm. Like it was this feeling of like surreality that I was like, oh, this is like a pre-scripted thing and something is weird is going to happen now. But it was like, no, it's just Mm -hmm. that's just the vibe. Like it all just feels so... I don't know, so jarring and so so strange. And then you get to the station and you have to like you have to do a like a, a sanitization shower. You have to take off your clothes. Then you get into your station, which is like a mess, and you can just walk well, around. Before that, you find the poster that it, you were no, so is, excited is about. Is the poster in the like entryway or is it in the station? Yes. Okay. Because it tells you it's oh, like laying to... out the like decontamination yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. I have I was losing my shit on all these posters. They're so great. <laughs> there were like two ones that I was obsessed with, which yes, this first one, which was a detailed chart of how you're supposed to like sanitize yourself. It's like, okay, well, you have to take off your clothes, you have to sanitize in the shower. Scientific studies have not found proof of this, but we suggest five minutes of showering. Also, you need to place all of your personal items in their little sanitization bins. Loved it. I love this, like, you know, <laughs> so detailed and great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there was another one inside, which was just a, like a map, which just all these notes and stuff. I just spent so long looking at. Oh, the watch. You have a watch that you can pull up. Oh, yeah. And you see the watch moving. The minutes and second hands are just moving. I love it. <laughs> I loved all those details where it's just like, here's just all the things in the world and you can interpret them how you will. The thing that really got us both because we're so weird is that it says like your whole mission just in this demo is get back to the station sanitize yourself so you can go inside and then your character's like i should take a shower and go to sleep you go to the shower and you take a shower and your character gets in the shower and you just sit there for like a solid minute just waiting it's so good it's so it's good. so good you just like hear the water running nothing is moving again it's, the you're just sound looking effects. at like you can, a door like, hear little washing sounds yeah it's great Oh, you can turn on the radio, which I turned on the radio and then I went to bed without turning off the radio. And then you have this like weird, it's almost like a dream sequence. It made me think of the beginning of Signalis. Um, I was getting major Signalis vibes and I had the radio on and then you have this dream sequence where there's all these like weird flashing images just going through and... There was sound, there was like music behind it. But then also for me, I had this like eerie radio noise. And I asked you because mm-hmm. I was streaming it to you. I was like, did you turn off the radio? And like, what did it sound like? And then you were like, oh, yeah, I turned off the radio. So it was just the music for me. And I thought that was a great detail, too. Yeah. And then you watch this like little ending cutscene thing that's like, yeah, you can kind of see like, um, like it's the edges of film kind of running by. There's all these scratches in it. Uh, there, the thing that I really love is there's a fixed shot of your character's face, like a close-up of your character's face uh, in like the most detail you've seen her, you know, in the game. And then over top of it, there are just all these other images. There's there's just video of like the trees, or not video, mm-hmm. but like you know the the game's graphics of like the trees swaying and the and the desert and like. There's like a watchtower you see. It's just all these different scenes playing over top of your character, which you can kind of just imagine as her just sleeping through that whole time, you know, as as all these things play across her. And then the music plays. It's so bizarre. It ends with like a fucking passage from the Bible. And then it just shuts the game down. It just, it just, it just force closes force the, game. the game and opens its Steam page, which like never clicked add to wish list faster. Yeah, it's... I have no idea what's going on in this game, and I am so fucking hyped so for hyped. it. I can't wait. Uh, that's pretty much all we did with Steam Next Fest. I thought it would be worth mentioning, uh, even though this isn't a news episode, really. Uh, Microsoft has officially acquired Activision Blizzard. <sighs> yeah. With with God. lovely fanfare in the form of a trailer. <laughs> Genuinely one of the grimmest things i've seen come out of the gaming space in quite a while yeah it was oh my god it was fucking absurd uh yeah they posted this weird trailer it was just like look at all this shit we own now it's um, a and great just, like, day clips. to be a gamer and the worst part about it is like all like so many replies to this mm-hmm. tweet were people you know just people oh let's go and like people celebrating and it's just like what is what are you celebrating? Like, this is this is the death of this industry. Like, not this specific event, but the this pattern of events of acquisitions is 
so bad for everyone. It's mm-hmm. it's unfathomable to me to think that people would be actually excited about this. Yeah. And Bobby Kodak is getting to stay on board till the end of the year and then leave yeah. happily with lots of money. God, fuck him. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck Bobby Kodak forever. He should be in prison. Mm-hmm. Well, besides all of these Nexus demos and the dis- you know, abysmal state of acquisitions, what else have you been up to? Uh, normally, it's your role to advise people to go to movies with their friends. That's I'm going to take over that that part this week. Uh, so I got to see Stop Making Sense this week, which is uh, it's its 40th anniversary, uh, and so they did like a 4K restoration and showed it. I think like across you know various theaters. I think got a, pr- a pretty wide release from what I've seen. Stop Making Sense, if you're not aware, is a concert film of the Talking Heads performing at the Pantages Theater. Uh, it's directed by Jonathan Demme, uh, the director of such films as Philadelphia and Silence of the Lambs. It's often spoken of as the greatest concert film ever made. And I think that is absolutely fair. Uh, I'm not like generally a big fan of concert films. They often just make me feel like I just kind of wish I was there. Like it just it, like it would be more exciting if you were there. This one, it's the first time I'd seen it. Uh, I, so yeah, I went with a friend and we were both kind of like, we were talking about it beforehand and we were both just like, you know, I love the, to- you know, I like what I've heard of the talking heads, but I'm not like the biggest fan in the world. Like I think, um, Heaven and This Must Be the Place are like probably two of the best songs ever recorded. Uh, but I'm like, as far as like their entire discography, I'm not like a huge fan. Uh, and she like was, you know, saying the same thing. So we were kind of like, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And then the instant that the movie ended, she just turned to me and went, that was great. <laughs> like, it's such a fun movie. It does such a good job of capturing the energy of the show. The band for this tour is so big they have so many like people playing backup and stuff so by the end of it there's like probably like nine ten people on stage and the they do this documentary does such a good job of capturing these little moments with each of them like you can see um there are two like background singers named uh edna holt and lynn mayberry who they brought on for this tour and there's so many shots of them just like having such a good time either like watching like david byrne do his weird shtick on stage or just like dancing with each other and it's such a mix this tour is such a mix of like things that seem like very um spontaneous like improvised moments with some stuff that's really clearly choreographed it sounds incredible like for you know something that is like filmed and recorded with a live show going on and the crew just kind of like on stage capturing it it sounds amazing like i was listening to this like live recording as i walked home because it just it everything sounds better in it i don't know there's something really special about seeing this band on stage like having an incredible time and putting on this wild performance and just all these moments of them just like watching each other and like appreciating each other's performances just feels really touching to me like seeing people do this creative thing together and clearly like loving each other it's just a really really wonderful and fun movie uh also uh tina weymouth the the bassist for the talking heads is first of all like a fucking legend she's an unbelievable bass player there's like the thing starts with just david byrne on stage playing psycho killer on his own and then tina weymouth comes out for heaven And then like the rest of the band kind of slowly comes out piece by piece, song by song. But that second song where it's just David Byrne and Tina Weymouth, it's just, it's just so incredible. 
She also like for the second half of it, because it's filmed over two nights, the second half of this movie, she has the most like iconic outfit on. It's this like skirt and like these like high, um, like knee high, like socks. Uh, She just uh, she just looks incredible. And these like these gloves looks amazing. Uh, Lynn Mayberry and Edna Holt have just like unbelievable eyeshadow on that I was very envious of. They just it's just such a cool fucking production. And it like I think I probably would not like any other concert film as much as this one. So whether that sounds like your thing or you're you're kind of like me have not really been interested in the idea of concert films, I highly recommend it. Like it is just such such a fun time. So yeah, I, I think this is also out of theaters by the time this comes out but yeah it would still be worth just watching like at home i think uh just a really really phenomenally looking and sounding and feeling movie it's actually the first time i've been back to a theater since the start of the pandemic so uh, it's something i've kind of avoided and i'm very glad that i went to see this Uh, it was a great time highly recommend it but I know you have been watching uh, some things this week as well that you want to share. Yes. So we are in the midst of October now, which means that we are a couple weeks in to the fall anime season. So I thought I would give you a little fall season digest slash preview to give to give, you know, to give you all a taste of what's happening right now and what shows I've been watching and what's worth watching or not watching. These are obviously not all the shows that have come out. I've only watched a handful, but I'm going to go through some of them right now and tell you my thoughts on them. So we're going to start off with Spy X Family because season two has started I haven't even watched the first episode of season two, but it's Spy X Family. It's going to be good. It's it's an amazing show. You need to be watching. (laughs) I love it. I read the manga also. (laughs) It's great. Um, Another one is Stardust Telepath, which this is one of three Yuri anime that are in this season. This one is about a girl who she's like really, really shy and she's starting high school and she wants to because she's so shy, she feels like she doesn't know how to connect with people. So her big goal is that she wants to meet an alien. And it just so happens that one of her new classmates this year claims to be an alien she claims to be a telepathic alien and it's about the two of them like getting to know each other and about their relationship um it is pretty cute um it has some elements of bochi the rock in it which is an anime that i fucking adore but uh the main character in this has a lot of the like same kind of like awkward shyness as bochi um I don't know if I'm fully convinced on it yet. It seems like it seems like it'll be a very comforting one, like nothing too wild. I don't know if it'll be incredible, but I'm going to like keep with it. So and it's also one of the it's only one of three Yuri anime. So I will be watching. Mm -hmm. So another one is called I'm giving the disgraced noble lady I rescued a crash course in naughtiness. Uh-huh. Which the name is not as accurate to what this show is about as you think. The whole mm. premise of this is that there's 
in like very traditional fantasy anime, there's the main girl and she's she was supposed to marry like the ruler of this kingdom. But that ruler is actually kind of an asshole and he wants to marry someone else. So he like frames her for like an assassination attempt and like being basically a horrible person. So she has to run away and she ends up running away into the domain of the like demon king or just like a very you know traditional villainous guy but he ends up saving her from a bunch of soldiers trying to kill her and he's like what's your deal (laughs) she's like oh my the person i loved like kind of framed me for this and now i'm like wanted and i've just been a proper lady for like my whole life and he's like you need to learn to like not be so prim and proper and like letting everybody like doing what everybody wants so we're gonna like we're gonna like have fun you're gonna learn how to enjoy like the first episode is about basically him forcing her to eat desserts for dinner (laughs) so that (laughs) she can enjoy sweet foods and like enjoy indulging so it seems like it's gonna be actually kind of cute and sweet obviously they will fall in love but there's an aspect of it too that i to the show that I think actually is like neat and fun. I like this idea of it's, it's about her kind of learning how to like, just live life and have fun and not just be Mm -hmm. so bound by these things around her. So it has potential. I'm going to keep up with it. Oh, this is another one, which I was surprised by how much I loved it, which is called 16 bit sensation. Another layer. The premise for this is that there's a girl who works as an illustrator on crappy computer games okay she wants to make b shoujo games which are essentially cute girl games um it's about games where you talk to cute girls and she's like always talking about how she's like oh man the 90s were were like the good old days that was the height of the genre people were making these epic games and now i'm making crappy games like what is it called? It's called like MILF Hypnotizing Simulator is the game that her company is making in the show. Uh-huh. And she's like, this is so stupid, uh, but nobody makes like the good games anymore. And mm-hmm. she ends up getting. She ends up time traveling back to the 90s and she runs into a group of people who make Bishoujo games in the 90s. And so she's going to basically like work with them and make the games she's always wanted. Cute. This one is so adorable and so funny. The main girl is great. Um, I highly suggest people watch this show. It's It's been one of the standouts of the season for me so far. Uh, another one is Kame Urabi God.app, which do you know about this one? You have said those words to me multiple times do you and I why? cannot parse them. So the it's from the creator of Soul Eater, but it's also he created it in partnership with Yoko Taro. Okay, yes, this makes sense. And the whole premise is it's about high school kids who play death games on their phones, basically, in order to become gods. Listen, the first episode of this is wild. It's very... It's about shock value. There's a lot of edgy things in here that, as of like one episode, don't know if they have a purpose. I don't know how to feel about this one. Um, mm-hmm. I personally don't like the animation. It's a, like a 3D animated anime. It kind of looks ugly. 
but it's one of those things where I'm you're going to have to like hold out to see if all the like edginess in it has a point or if it's just for shock value, because like. I think Yogotaro often can make these things work, but he's also had times where he just does it just because. And my worry is that this will be the latter. It won't actually mm-hmm. be that interesting. But uh, if you are a Yogotaro sicko like me, then you will probably be watching this. And then I think, uh, what are the ones I haven't talked about? Okay, the the second the second Yuri anime that's on right now is The Vexations of a Shudden Vampire Princess. The story of Willa. Yeah, exactly. The, sh- the, the premise of this is great. It mm-hmm. is about a vampire princess who is like very grouchy and she doesn't want to do anything. And she has a hot maid who also the maid likes her. I like that. I'm very interested in this in the show. Uh-huh. But the first episode is a real a really mixed bag. It I like the relationship between the maid and the main girl, but this show seems to have a lot more political stuff going on than I actually care about. Like there's this whole thing of like, oh, well, she lives in this vampire kingdom where there are certain like there are generals and they all have to go to war. And in order for her to like become more important, she's just been made like one of the special generals, even though she doesn't know how to fight. She's actually like her secret is that she's actually really, really weak, even though vampires are supposed to be strong. So it's about her faking her way through like being the most like respected general, which is fine. But like, I'm more interested in the relationship. I think this has a lot of similarities in my mind to, um, God, what's it called? The Magical Revolution of the Reincarnated Princess and the Genius Young Lady. Yes, that's that's the full title. But it has a lot in common with that, as in it's like there is a central relationship and that has a lot to do with the main plot, but also there's like more political and fantasy elements. I think the magical revolution does a better job of balancing it, at least based on the first episode. I might give up on this show, honestly. Um, I'll have to give it a couple more episodes, but it's fine. And now we're going to talk about my two favorite animes so far. These are like, if you only had two shows that you could watch, these are the ones you should watch. First is... I'm in love with the villainess. This should surprise nobody that I love this show. I love this manga and I've been excited for this show forever. It's an isekai anime, a girl who loves an Otome game. She gets sucked into it and she wakes up in it. But the thing is, is that she is, as the title says, she's obsessed with the villain of the game, a woman named Claire. And so she wakes up in the game And like the first scene that happens when she wakes up is she wakes up and she's like in class and Claire is like yelling at her and she just looks up and she's like, oh, I was transported inside the game and this is Miss Claire. And then she just grabs Miss Claire's hands and she's like, I love you. (laughs) She's like, listen, I love you. (laughs) It's a very funny show. It's Mm -hmm. I mean, it's basically like there's a mean girl and she gets very flustered by this woman who's keeps saying she loves her within the first episode ray who's the main character she becomes claire's maid in order to like have more time with her 
This okay, is, I'm changing my mind. This is the Willow story. This really is. Zoe watched the first episode. She was like, I can't believe you. <laughs> you should watch it, Robin. You'll, you'll get yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds great. It will surprise you like zero amounts. <laughs> so I really love this. This is a fantastic show. I also think it's one of the better Yuri anime that has been around. As someone who has read the manga, something that I'm very excited about is I'm in love with the villainess is a Yuri like story that actually really confronts the idea of like gender and sexuality in a way that the genre has often not until like modern times. So it comes up eventually, but somebody like talks to Ray about why she's like so into Claire and Ray's like, well, I'm not into men. I'm I'm a lesbian, which like is kind of wild for Yuri manga to say, because it's complicated. Yuri has a like a long history with not really fully admitting to being like queer, being upfront with having conversations about like sexuality and gender and like labels like that is like a big deal. So it's really cool to see that. I'm a big fan of it. Then the other show that might be like the standout of the season by far is Freerin Beyond Journey's End. The whole premise of the show is that it starts with a like it's a fantasy anime. It starts with an adventuring party after they have defeated like the Demon King or whatever is what they call him. They've saved the world. They go back to the capital city and they're like celebrated. They have a big party. And then the party is like the the group of adventures are like, okay, what is everybody doing now? And Furin, the main girl, she is an elf. She's an elf mage. And so like like typical fantasy races, elves live the longest. She's lived for thousand years. She will live for much longer than that. She adventured with these people for 10 years. And it's a group of her, two humans, and one dwarf, who the dwarf also lives long, but not as long as elves. And she's like, well, this was 10 years. This was nothing. I'm going to leave now. I'm going to go do whatever. Um, And everybody's like, okay, well, you know, don't be a stranger. Come back to see us. Like you were, for us, you're very important to our lives, despite you Mm -hmm. having a different concept of everything. And so within the first episode, she's like, okay, I'll come back and see you guys soon. And then she comes back 50 years later and she comes back and the leader of the party is like an old man. And within the first episode, he dies. And it's like it really changes her where she's like, oh, I never considered like the mortality of these people because I was never connected to anybody as much as I was to this party. And now I want to like. Now that I'm not on some mission, I want to kind of like reevaluate my relationship with mortality and the people that I interact with. This is such a it's a great premise, I think. And it's a very kind of like reserved anime where it's not about like some wild story. It's just really introspective. It's all about Freerin and like her learning to be a different person. It's very sad. This is a very sad anime. I cried watching the first episode, Aww. but it's it's really, really good. And I I highly recommend like everybody should try this. It's it's really beautiful. And I think it does an amazing job with its premise. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. The, so those are 
eight anime that I've been watching and my thoughts on them. Uh, any of those sound interesting to people, you should definitely check them out. Most of them, all of these ones that I talked about are on Crunchyroll, except for the vexations of A Shut-In Vampire Pr- Princess. That one is on High Dive. That's it for me. Nice. And I think that's it for us. <laughs> the end of this fairly scattered episode. Uh, like I said, a lot of these demos are probably going to be gone by the time it goes up, but I recommend checking out and see if some of them are still up because they are good. Um, we still have two. How many weeks do we have until our actual? So we. So the thing is, our one year anniversary episode is not going to be our 52nd episode. Right. It's going to be our 53rd because we are going to be recording it on November 4th, which is the day that our first episode went up. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be recording on the one year anniversary. So our yes, our one year anniversary episode will be going up November 8th. So that means you still have basically three weeks to send us questions if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send those questions to girlmodepod at gmail.com or ask them to us on co-host where we're also at girlmodepod. Uh, you can also find us on other social media, which we will link to in uh, the link tree in the show notes. And you can find me in the various places I just mentioned at Robin Bombas. And I'm on socials at the Willow Row. I can't think of somebody who, who you should tell to listen to us. You should... Get isekai'd and tell the evil woman who you're in love with there to listen to our podcast. Absolutely. Also, how does it feel to live my dream? (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. Previously on Girl Mode. The game reveals at the end, there's a big twist that one of the guys is actually a cop the whole time. And then when it was revealed that I was a cop, I think Zoe was ready to break up with me. She was furious. And then I killed her. She's probably listening to this right now and like fuming. Yeah. (laughs) Zoe, you should record your thoughts and send them to me when you hear this. you were a cop it's that you knew you were a cop and you didn't let me kill you when ethically morally spiritually that is the correct answer reasons number one you're a cop number two your wife hates you why probably because you're a cop she has a baby that doesn't fucking know you she's gonna divorce you and you're a fucking cop meanwhile me Criminal, been poor my whole life, been in the foster system, met my wife when we were like 10 years old, grew up together, got married, had a kid, live in a little tiny baby fucking trailer. I play basketball with my son. My wife loves me. I love my wife. My son loves me. I love my son. And you kill me for no fucking reason. And it's not even just because, like, I'm worse at video games than you and you're better at video games than me. It's because it was ethically the incorrect choice and you still made it.